0: I'm, locked, I'm up locked up in memories
1: They all intertwine The memories in,
0: in my mind I know tomorrow Cause that dawn come You will never know just
2: what
0: you've done. Good evening, good evening, good evening, everyone. This is. have people who come on who've never been abused, but they have a heart for survivors. And they literally would just come on and share different topics on recovery and or how they help their clients, how they help in the mental health field regarding recovery, regarding um, supporting others, volunteering. And so it is a pretty broad spectrum. When it comes to that. I don't want people to think that it's just focused on this one little area because abuse is so broad, okay? And, um, and the point is this is a safe space and we're all walking in our recovery journey together. Again, if you'd like to be a part of the panel, please feel free to call in. The number is 646-595-2118. Again, that number is 646- 595 and we're on stand number 3368 on Stop Child Abuse Now radio show. I want to start by reading our mission statement. And, and the first part, really, is what does MASCA stand for? MASCA stands for the National Association of Adult Survivors of Child Abuse. Again, I'm your host, Dr. Nancy V. E. Brown-Willis. And I am just so excited to be on tonight. Where are number scan number 3368. You can always go in, you can get the scan number, and you can always share the link, and it will have uh, tonight's show on it. I will start again by reading the bio, the mission statement. We have a single purpose at NASA to address issues related to childhood abuse and trauma including sexual assault, violence, or physical abuse, emotional trauma, and neglect. And we do so with only two goals. One, educating the public, especially as related to helping society get over its taboo of discussing childhood sexual abuse, presenting facts showing child abuse to be a pandemic worldwide problem that affects everyone. And two, offering hope and healing through numerous paths, providing many services to adult survivors of child abuse, and information for anyone interested in the many issues involving prevention, intervention, and recovery. You know, I wanted to just remember um, that recovery is possible. You know, many of us have been through different forms of abuse, uh, and different forms of psychological, emotional, mental types of, of abuse, right? But recovery is possible, um, and so we just want to make sure that we remember that. Uh, and tonight is an open panel. We don't have to focus on just one particular topic. Um, on Wednesday night, it's it's a pretty much it's an open panel. Um, if you feel led to share your your story or your testimony or um, just a topic that's in your heart regarding recovery, please feel free to do that. That's what we're here for. This is a safe space where we're able to share and encourage and empower. And really the, the real, you know, goal is to, to heal, to heal together and heal our community. So um, I'm going to share. Um Probably um, a topic, and but again, we don't have to stick to that topic tonight, and it will be basically focused on recovery from uh, you know emotional abuse, emotional abuse recovery. So what does emotional abuse mean? what what is that? So emotional abuse really it includes non-physical behaviors that are meant to control isolate or frighten you, okay? Um, that, that could be somebody being, you know, verbally abusive. Um, that could be when we're dealing with bullying, which sometimes we've had people just come on and talk about recovery from bullying, you know, as a child. And now you're an adult and probably still deal with some forms of bullying. But now you can show up for that child and you can actually address those, uh, those emotions and those people in a better way because you have the time to educate yourself or you have the time to process and to to really learn and understand that that, that's abusive. That behavior is not acceptable, okay? So uh, this may present in romantic relationships as threats, insults, constant monitoring, excessive jealousy, manipulation, humiliation, intimidation, and decisiveness okay amongst, amongst others. So There's other things. So this is just to, to name a few, just to bring awareness to us, okay. Sometimes emotional abuse is more obvious, like a partner yelling at you or calling you names. He might be or she might be calling you all kinds of names. Out your name. Not not just any any name, but really out your name. Uh bad words, bad names, okay? Other times, it could be more subtle, like your partner acting jealous, okay, of your friends or not wanting you to hang out with someone or uh, of another gender. Um, and, again, we have to be careful with that one because it's like if you're in a relationship um, and you guys state certain rules early on, like, hey, I'm not okay with this, say I'm not okay with that, and that and that's fine. But if you are, like, always around um, if you're a friend type of person, everybody has different personalities. If you're a friend type of person, and then you see this person becoming more controlling, more, you know, uh, more they're trying to keep you away from from your friends, they're just kind of aggressive with it, it's it's, it's a difference. Um, I'm t- I'm not talking about like two adults, two consult- two consenting adults who say, hey, we're in a relationship, and for us there's no friends. Like, ain't no new friends coming in. You know, your friends, okay, we're cool, we, we, we all hang out together, but there's no new friends. You know, you've set certain rules in the beginning of a, a relationship, and that is fine. But when it comes to um, seeing the person trying to change who you are, and that's how they met you, um, being manipulative with their behaviors, you have to be careful, uh While some of these emotions, uh, some of these emotionally abusive behaviors do not have physical, do not leave physical marks, they do hurt. Okay. So like I said, that uh, name calling, right, disempowering, tra- they, they, it can definitely traumatize you. Uh, the partners that take care through the abuse um, can definitely be traumatized and feel so disempowered, okay because it's really difficult to feel sure of yourself when a partner is demeaning, diminishing, um, and then you become, you start to second-guess yourself, constantly, consistently, and that is a concern, a high concern. Um, an emotionally abusive partner may try gaslighting you by telling you outright that you're overreacting, you're being dramatic, you're being just too emotional, uh, or that you can't take a joke, uh, trying to make it seem like you're overreacting. They were just playing. They were just joking when it's inappropriate, the way that they were speaking to you. Um, and so that is important in that case. Um, and sometimes, unfortunately, emotional abuse, which is a very serious thing, um, can lead Can go from emotional abuse and it could escalate to physical violence. So you really do have to pay attention to the signs, okay, and understand that help is available. You can always reach out. We have uh, nine eight eight. Yeah, nine one one if it's real serious, okay. Um, and not be scared to get the help that you need because things can only get worse. Okay, they only do get worse. I have a couple of people on the line, so I'm going to just open the mic if anyone has a comment. Now, uh, if your background is live, please mute yourself because we are in the radio and it picks up every little thing. I had a little noise in the background, and I had to, like, kind of stop it because uh, it, it it sounds a little echoish over here. But um, I'm opening up the mic so if anyone would like to make a comment
2: or speak about red flags or any other topic. Hey, this is Rika J from the A. Thank you for allowing me to oh. be on tonight. And um, I, I, I'm a person in long-term recovery myself with dual diagnosis and co-occurring disorders. And so what I realized is that healing, um, getting to the root of what caused my mental health issues. And my substance use was a major factor in me getting to the other side of through, and so now I'm I'm you know kind of paying it forward and going back out into the community as the peer uh, lead peer recovery coach for Fulton County Board of Health, and my goal now is to destigmatize the labels and the the looks and the attitudes that people that suffer from, get, you know, because we live in a society now where things are just no holds barred, um, there's no limit to what is out there, and people are suffering. A lot of people are suffering in silence, and so I'm just blessed that God has allowed me to get through those issues so that I can be the face of recovery, so that I can be the face of, you know, what it looks like to have overcome emotional, physical, mental abuse, what it looks like to have overcome addiction to crack or addiction to prescribed meds, you know. So I'm just grateful that that there's a community for us to feel safe in and to be able to talk about these things without feeling negated by, you know, the world. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that.
0: That's so important. And you may – thank you for sharing that, okay, as we continue walking in our recovery – I think um, it does. It does get really hard because of stigma, you know, being stigmatized, stigmatization, and also I think cultural, um, the lack of cultural competence, makes it really difficult because um, certain cultures, um, you know, you're not allowed to show emotions or get mental health support if you try to get mental health support you are you're weak. Something's really wrong with you. Sometimes you even get cast out. They don't even want to even look at you. You got a demon <laughs> and some more other things, you know, different cultures. And um especially now with social media, um, I think a lot of people have to feel like they have to hide a lot of people feel like they have to hide because the comments are off the hook. The comments are off the hook regarding mental health. Um, the the is the attacks are so violent on social media on the comments that sometimes it's just it's just so bad. How do we create a healthier? How do we be at a safe space to allow people to come out. What is something well, that we can do to to help create that?
2: Have more dialogues like this. Um, you know, have round table discussions, not not be afraid to reach out to somebody that may be suffering. Um, we need to have more understanding. We need to have more Education, I'm on, um, I'm the lead consultant on a couple of studies with Emory where we're educating nurses um, about mental health and substance use because even people in, in, in the mental health profession, healthcare profession, they have their own ideologies about what mental health and substance use is and it could be any of those people and it is many of those people. And so, you know, bringing awareness to what we have going on in the world because it's more prevalent now than ever. You can't hide it. There are celebrities that deal with addiction and substance use. And addiction, I'm sorry, addiction and mental health, and and those two components happen to just be symptoms of what we've talked about, the abuse and the trauma and things that we've experienced in our in our lives, and so we must continue to fight, be the voice, um, come out in recovery, you know, because I was a dressed-up trash can for so long. I was as only as sick as my secret because I was living a lie, but I was coming home every night popping pills. And so it just showed up, and I wasn't able to hide it anymore. So I'm going to scream it to the top of my lungs, listen. You don't have to hide behind what you've gone through. You don't have to be a victim of your circumstances. And we need to have more conversations like that.
0: You're right. You're right. I I know. I I went through it. I definitely went through it. Um, I was dealing with addiction. Um, mine was to mine was the cannabis. But look, people be putting stuff in your stuff. And I, was, I went through a, a, a time that I was acting crazy. I was acting out of control. I don't know what I was acting was not right with that stuff. But um, all I have to say is people didn't really, it was funny to people. Um, it was funny to people. It was entertaining to people. I didn't see like anybody really come to me like, hey, since I'm really concerned about you, I love you. Excuse me, I noticed this. But it was more or less of a mockery and of entertainment. So um, you're right. I feel like we need education because people don't know, even know how to even address or deal with people when they are going through their psychosis moment. They're not educated. They're not trained. They're not – they don't know what to do. Um and unfortunately, again, you know, uh, we have the cyberbullying and, and all this other stuff, which is leading a lot of people to take their lives, you know, Absolutely. they're going into depression, and they're taking their lives because they feel like, hey, I messed up so bad. I can't go back. I can't. I ashamed myself. I ashamed my family, my community, my church, my, my friends. You know, I cannot come back from this, but you can Um and then you may feel so so alone. You know, I know I felt alone. And and when you get to that place, unfortunately, a lot of times you isolate yourself even more, which makes it worse, you know. But I I like the fact that we do have um you know, like NAMI and different organizations, the National Alliance on Mental Illness and mm-hmm. we have um the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention and you know, different And the NASCA, which we're on now, different organizations that actually care about recovery and care about supporting people who, who may be going through mental health challenges or depression, anxiety, emotional stress, whatever you may be going through. Just to let you know you're not alone. Like there's people who have made it. There's people who are successful. They still suffer. We're still people. You know, people are people. We're
2: all one. Are the things that you Mm -hmm. mentioned, the bullying, the shame that, you know, the mockery or whatnot that you experienced when you went through your episode, just, you know, kind of solidifies that we, as a whole country, have issues, mental health issues, because bullying is is a symbolism of how you feel about yourself. And so to have to go through that in the world that we live in today, where people will commit suicide because somebody said something to you on an invisible platform, you know, it, it's really sad that we live in those times where man, and 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 we're a superficial environment and a superficial culture that it's gotten to that point. That's that's the real issue. And so until we start, you know, dealing with the underlying stuff that's embedded in us, then, you know, we're going to fight this fight forever. But it it only takes one person. All it takes is for one person to be reached so that person can go and spread the word, so that person can go and spread the word. So we got to have grassroots organizations and just be active and be seen, and advocate for those that can't advocate for themselves. So, you know, it's it's a never-ending cycle, but I believe that there's hope. Um, I've seen things change. I mean, I'm 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 a person in long-term recovery, so you know, I went to the A Rat um, Convention last week at the Capitol, which is hosted by the Georgia Recovery. Uh, Georgia Council for Recovery, and it was 1,200 people in attendance, 1,200 people in recovery. So it's doable. You know, we just got to keep, like I said, advocating and being the voice and praying, of course. But, yeah, until we start digging at what has gotten us as a whole because the, the the you know it's the opioid crisis in the country, so there's an issue. There's a big issue, but um, we've got to peel back the band aids and we got to heal as a whole for it to be effective. And I think that that's kind of prominent now, because of the 911 phone calls and the CARES warm line and the CSB boards and you know the peer support specialists. So. It's it, it's having an effect, yeah. You're right.
0: I think it is really important for us to to raise our voice and come forward. Um, again, mental illness is associated with something being wrong with you. Um, people feel ashamed to talk about it and put their face to it. Um, And We've had so many great people in our community who have lost their life to suicide, who were suffering in silence due to mental illness. Um, I share, I'm a suicide survivor, and I lost my sister in 2020, uh, three days after Thanksgiving from suicide, and, you know, people have, a lot of people, when I share with them, they'll say, yeah, I attempted, or yeah, I thought about it, or... You know, it crossed my mind, and, you know, I was at that place, and I'm like, okay, did you talk to anybody? Were you able to talk to anybody? Some people will say no, they didn't have anybody they could speak to, or they just felt embarrassed to talk about it, or they didn't want to talk about it because they didn't want to hear any negative comments about how they were feeling, but those were their feelings, and that was a, the feelings should be validated because, that's just that's where they were, you know. And so we should be able to respect people, and then try to find you know resources, not shame people uh, for for feeling like that because you don't know what that person probably went through. You know, I went through um, child sexual abuse, so did my sister. And you know, I'm not saying that that's the only level of you know you can go through. You lose your job, and you go through a depression, and depending on what level of depression you go under.
2: It could really mess
0: up your your whole brain imbalance, okay? And you could have those thoughts at any level. Um, But I think that you're right. Like, talking about it allows other people to say, wow, she thought about that. Maybe I'm not crazy. Maybe it's not. Maybe I could talk about it, you know, normalizing the conversation.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I'm sharing everywhere I go, you know, hey, people say, wow, you just don't look like what you've been through. No. And that's the purpose of recovery. That's the purpose of talking about it. That's the purpose of, you know, going to groups. That's the purpose of going to rehab, going to therapy, so that we can heal, so that we can be better for each other. And so I'm in it for the long haul. Um, You know, I I, I, I don't want to go back to that place of darkness. Ever again, and so, yeah, I'm 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 down for whatever it takes to bring that awareness. You know, every day I'm talking about it. I just did a PowerPoint today about recovery and healing, and you know, breaking the cycle and not repeating the behavior and finding forgiveness. And that's 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 a big part of. The healing process is the forgiveness part. And when we get that part down and understand that part, I think a lot of people can move forward um, because the mental illness shows up when you can't forgive, when you don't know how to forgive, or when you don't find acceptance. And I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but, you know, that's part of it because in life, life is going to happen. It just is what it is. It happens. Not to take away from your pain, but let's move forward so that others can heal from our testimony. And I'm I'm sorry to hear about your sister, and I'm so glad that you're here to, you know, do this for those that aren't brave enough to step up and talk about it. You know, just being the voice for somebody saying that. Well, I'm too embarrassed to talk about it, and that's yeah. powerful.
0: Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. You know, you're right. Um, life be life You know, you said life happens. Life be life okay? And things are going to happen. Um, but a big part of recovery is forgiveness, whether it's forgiving someone who hurt you, um, who you loved or who you didn't even know, or whether it's forgiving yourself, you know, um, getting to a place to say, you know what, I forgive myself. And um, I'm going to give myself some grace and I'm going to live my life to serve and to help my community and to do better, you know. Absolutely. I know better and I want to do better. And some people want to keep you in that place. They want to keep bringing up what you did and how you did it. And, you know, so what would you say Do you, that would be helpful for someone who – who may be going through that, because I believe that, you know, when you're dealing with unforgiveness, you're kind of, you're like stuck. Um, mm-hmm. You're stuck. You, you can't move forward sometimes. It blocks certain doors. It blocks certain things because you feel stuck. You're like incarcerating your mind. You're incarcerating yourself. Um, and you're allowing those people who want to keep you there uh, to keep you on the cross, you know, even, even, um, our savior was not kept on the cross, but there's people that just want to keep you on the cross. Want to embarrass you every chance they get a chance to want to bring up something old, every chance they get a chance to want to talk about what you did in the past, even though you're moving forward and you don't already, that's like so behind you because of where God is taking you. But, do you have any words of encouragement or any, any suggestions of things that you've done for yourself to work on your healing or your forgiveness of yourself or others or anything that could help somebody maybe get out of that stuck place?
2: For me, um, and I would say to anybody that's stuck or that, you know you know, has lost control of their life, to follow the 12-step principles of AA and NA. Not necessarily having to have a substance problem or alcohol problem, but those steps. You know, the first step talks about we being, admitting that we were powerless over whatever situation and that our lives had become unmanageable. And so the first thing that you have to do is admit that there's a problem. You have to be in touch with who you are, what your behavior is, what's going on. You know, a lot of us know that we're not healthy mentally, but then that this when the drugs come in. We, we cover it up. We try to self-medicate, you know. And so we have to admit that I am powerless over what is going on in my life. I'm powerless over this addiction. I'm powerless over this sexual molestation because I can't control it. I can't I mean I can't change it, you know, in so in in so many ways, um, of what has happened when dealing with your trauma. And so I encourage people to, to follow the twelve steps. Um, if you work the steps and it talks about uh forgiveness, it talks about taking a more inventory of yourself. It talks about turning your life over to God. It talks about, you know, it's it's kind of a guide to how I think you can live your life healthy and in order. And so I would say to people to follow the 12 steps of the recovery community, um, find a support group, find someone that you can talk to. Um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. It can be a peer support specialist. Um, exercise, you know. Um, get a journal. You know, if you have a toolbox full of things that you can use your coping skills and, you know, working through whatever issues you go through, I think that you can be successful in getting to the other side of truth. It takes work. It takes work to sit down and say that this is my truth as ugly as it may be you know but you have to forgive it you have to accept that you know what this happened but I have to forgive that situation I have to forgive those people I have to like you said forgive myself and and so in my walk when I pray I ask God to pray for me I do and so um, it's so many different pathways to recovery but you got to be aware that there's a need to be in recovery in order to move forward. And so um, my grandma used to say all the time, keep living, child. You know, you're going to go through some more stuff, but you just have to have the faith and believe that you are worthy of getting through it. And I think a lot of times in our in our environment that we have been, especially in our community, um, have been so browbeaten, that it's hard to overcome that stuff, and a lot of us you know have grown up in dysfunctional places, but you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances, you just don't you can turn it around, and you can make a better way for yourself and for future generations and so that's 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 what I got yeah and and it no matter what situation i go through i I kind of use those twelve steps to kind of get through it in all aspects because I have to look at the whole picture and then i encourage people to wake up every day and focus on what's right with you. Every day i wake up no matter what's going on, no matter and i don't like to say wrong because even when it's wrong it's right. I like to focus on what's right with me and it kind of makes you have a different perspective and outlook on life. So, yeah. That's it, thank you for letting me
0: share <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was so good. Thank you for being used as a vessel tonight. I think it's so important to really um you know when you get a chance. I don't know if if you'd be able to find some of the twelve steps, if you could find the twelve steps in order we to share them, that'd be great at some point um if not, then you know that's fine this time, maybe another time, but we would love to hear. Well, some of the steps up. are if anyone's tuning in. Okay, well, yeah, definitely, um, you know, if if you don't mind, a, that would be great. I
2: have them pulled up. That's fine. Thank you. Okay, so the yes, first ma'am. step is that we admitted that we were powerless over our addiction, and you can interchange that word, um, that our lives have become unmanageable. The second one, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our own. Number six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, we humbly asked him, remove our shortcomings. Number eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injured them or others. Ten, we continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong we promptly admitted it. Number 11, we sought prayer through a meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And number 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And so when I said working these steps, I mean taking out a notebook, And working these steps, going through them, writing down a list of our shortcomings, writing down a a list of, you know, taking an inventory of who we are, writing down a list of who we hurt, writing down a list of, you know, things, just doing the work, actually going deep. When you uncover the root, like I said before, of, of all the stuff that has happened in your life, you're able to catch your behavior, check it, and then change it. And so it's a never-ending process, but it works. It works. And sometimes you have to go back and work those steps over and over and not necessarily in the order that they were written. But it's doable. It's possible.
0: Where can people find these 12 steps?
2: Um, they're online, the NA community or the AA community, the Big Step, uh, the Big Book, the uh, Twelve Step Book. <clears throat> it's online. It's okay. in the bookstore. Um, you know, it's it's part of the NA and AA community. And they also
0: have
2: a. What workbook. I like about okay. it, they have a workbook oh, wow. that you can actually okay. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it's important to, you know, to remember uh, something that you said that is really important, that we really have to remember. You have to do the work. You can't be lazy about it. It's going to take work. You might have homework, physical work, emotional work. It's going to be work. You know, you have to work it. It's not going to work unless you work it. You have to work the steps. Sometimes you have to write the list down. You have to go over it. You have to flip it up. What I like about the 12 steps is, like you said, that you can actually use it in other areas of your life. You can plug in something different in there, and it's still having you to do the work in whatever that particular area is. But what it does is it really holds you accountable. It holds you accountable. You can't blame, well, this person did this to me and that person did this to me. There's a time for that which I think is really healthy to talk about what you went through, and it's healthy to to address it and cry it out, and it's healing. It's really therapeutic, you know, to really address it. But after a while, you have to be accountable for your recovery because nobody's going to come and save you.
2: Absolutely. Yes, ma'am.
0: You wish somebody would come save you I wish it was that easy but uh-uh.
2: <laughs> You save Nobody. yourself Nobody's coming You know But it's mm-hmm. worth it in the end Because you have this Peace Um, That you know I'm a survivor Really It, <laughs> it, it feels so good To have overcome The obstacles and Really you know I think that Everybody's journey and Everybody's path is written already, and that based on the choices that we make, it determines, you know, what we go through. And oftentimes, you know, it's it's not by choice, but what you do with it, how you internalize it, how you interpret it, how you embrace it is up to you. And you don't have to, like I said, be a victim of your circumstances forever. Mm -hmm. You don't have to, you know and if you choose to stay there then that's on you because there's so many self help you know videos access to things that can help you get better and so if you you know you it's easier to stay stuck in depression it you know because it, it doesn't take as much work it takes a, a a little or no effort to stay in the bed and i and i've been there where i could not get up But that mental health, that mental health Mm piece, had total control over me, and I had to free myself. I almost lost my life behind my addiction, and so, you know, I didn't have a choice but to get it together. And so I, I had to sit almost a year in my in my oneness, you know, not being physically able to walk for six months, and then being in rehab for seven. Mm. I didn't have a choice but to deal with myself. Um, and it was ugly but I had to I had to face that ugliness and I had to push through. And mm-hmm. being able to do that, you know, that that's the reward. Being able to do that and say, Wow, I don't have to be, you know, who my parents were, or who my grandparents were. I don't have to be them anymore. Because, you know, people right. are only able to, to love you as deep as they love themselves. And a lot of times, we inherit the generations before us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, And
0: that's what we were talking about earlier, like, you know, that cultural, how do we break that generational curse? Like, how do we break that generational curse? Like, this person was abused, and then that person was abused, and then this person went through substance abuse,
2: like my father,
0: You know, he deals with substance abuse Like, you know, it's something that runs in my family And it has affected me has affected my family You know, and so it's like You see the cycles And you're like, man, how do you break it? But like you said, you have to Literally, sometimes you have to Hit rock bottom (laughs) Sometimes Mm -hmm. you have to go through that You know, but it's such a blessing When you're able to, to turn around And be able to help so many people Because of what you went through you know, like yeah. your your pain literally has purpose. It produces purpose. So how yeah. do you? And I'm just gonna repeat. We're on scan number three three six eight. The phone number to call is six four six five nine five two one one eight. I'm gonna unmute the mics. So if you feel like you'd like to make a comment or say something, you can mute yourself if your background's loud. But if you'd like to make a comment and or you know address the topic of just recovery recovery from substance abuse recovery from mental illness walking in your recovery recovery from abuse just any form of recovery where you have just said you know what i'm going to take control of my life and i'm going to i'm going to change the trajectory of my life i believe that recovery for me is a lifelong journey like i'm always uh doing taking classes and doing certain things to to help me in my recovery because I know that those things help me feel good and they help me in my recovery. So for me, recovery is a lifelong journey. I don't ever, one thing that you said earlier, you know, and, and I agree, I never want to go back to that place. I never want to go to that place where it, I'm numb or I'm I'm in my bed and can't get out. And, and I've been there. I've been there too many times. I'm like, Lord, I don't miss it. And I haven't felt those feelings. And I'm grateful to the Lord, but I understand. So when people come to me, I'm able to understand them. I'm not going to meet them with judgment. I'm literally going to say I
1: understand,
0: and I really truly do. And there's times I've spoken to people about depression, and they've said I've never been there. I don't understand. And that's okay. You know, that's not their ministry. They Their ministry something else. But literally, you know, to see that we're able to be used to help people and, you know, and be used by God in a way where we are able to help save lives. It's such an honor to me to serve with you all. Um, Everyone on the call, I know, again, some people may not want to speak tonight or their background might be loud, that's fine, but I do know a lot of the stories from everybody on on the line tonight, and I know that that I'm in a room full of survivors and, um, and, and thrivers pushing through. And we literally work hard to be better every day, and that's just such an honor for me, such an honor for me. So I forgot what was the question I asked you, (laughs) Rika, but if
2: you remember, you remember what I asked you?
0: You asked me um, how, how,
2: how do we break the generational stuff, and I think that, you know, changing the behavior because now with this younger generation, the younger generation was not thought to be quiet. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. You know, don't say nothing. You know, this younger generation is very vocal, very aware. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that, that changing the behavior is, you know, effective. I think that mm-hmm. talking about it. You know, calling Uncle Charlie out, the one who Grandma always trying to protect, you know, calling them out yes. and bring it to the yes. table. You know, no more elephants in the room. Can we talk, you know? Um, exposure, things like that will break the, the generational uh, behavior and things dysfunctional. I think, like I said, bringing awareness to it and just talking about it. Just talking about, and it's and it's so much um, um, access to who we are now through social media, and so a lot of times things are being exposed when they aren't supposed to be exposed. And so, there's definitely a place that we can have these dialogues and conversations and feel okay to talk about them. So, you know, growth has been very good for for that kind of stuff because we can we can hey call somebody out now. We can do that now. (laughs) So I think that that's that's the major part of it is just changing the behavior. Yeah. Yeah. You said a mouthful there.
0: You know, I believe that people do feel more empowered. Uh, You know, we saw Cat Williams coming out and, you know, laying out some things and a few survivors. I don't know if you heard about B2K they came out and started talking, Mm -hmm. some of the members started talking about what they went through, how they were uh, abused, uh, sexually abused. Um, And, you know, I feel like people are starting to feel a little more empowered. Now when the first one came out from B2K and shared, he was bullied. He went through a lot Mm -hmm. of bullying. Um, I don't know if he started abusing substances or how he was dealing and coping with that type of um, bullying, But he got a heavy dose. I mean, you know, a lot of times women come out, they get support, and unfortunately when males come out, sometimes they don't get that same support. They get told, oh, Mm -hmm. you're gay, you like that, you're a this, you're a that, and they get called all kind of names. And so the recovery is just difficult when you're not surrounded by a supportive, embracing community that's like, hey, I've been there too. It wasn't your fault. You're not those things because it wasn't your fault. You didn't choose that. They did that to you. It happened to you. You didn't choose that. That doesn't make you gay. That doesn't make you somebody who enjoyed those things at, at whatever age you were. And so uh, when we do come out and we talk about it, I think it is important. Uh, another thing about, you know, the um, the younger generation versus the older generation or even just period, what a lot of families are dealing with is a lot of people are still shoving the abuse under the rug. They're still hiding it, like, because you love that person so much, that's your nephew or that's your son or that's your daughter, that you're willing to cover it up and not allow, not even address it, where at least the victim gets that relief where we're like, all right, let's have a family meeting. Let's talk about it. Where you get a chance to face the person, address it, but they pretty much just okay, okay, shh, go over there. Nope, don't want to talk about it. I've had I've had people come on the show, and they'll literally be like, "I was not allowed to talk about it." That's like a whole other form
2: of abuse. Well, you know, you know, to not yeah. be able to talk about it. Yeah, and 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 that's yeah. you know going back to saying that. We, as a whole country, you know, have a sick culture going on. And so, you know, we do those things, deny someone their truth. It's because we don't want to have to take a look at ourselves and deal with our own truth. And that's unfortunate. That's unfortunate that that happens in communities. But, you know, unless we challenge it, unless we call it out, it's never going to change. So we have to we have to be brave. We have to be encouraged to know that it's okay to say no to big mama or grandmama, and it's okay to, to say why or ask questions. We were taught not to do that as a form of disrespect, but you know it's a different time now. It's a different time that we live in. It's it's it's, it's a different culture. The grandparents, the parents are younger. It's a whole lot of things that could be, you know, the cause and effect of what's going on. But the conflict resolution to that is to call it out, talk about it, bring awareness, just say no, you know, tell somebody, and it's okay. I think that's why wow. what what is important is that we make people feel and to have to go through being bullied or to have to go through a man truth not being as valued as a woman truth says enough about who we are as a whole. And that in itself is a whole nother topic, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very challenging, it's very difficult
0: because um it's still being done, it's still happening. Where men <clears throat> sometimes have a harder time coming forward and uh, they're making memes about them. I know there's been a few actors that came out uh sharing about their abuse, different forms of abuse they experience in the industry um you know sharing how they've had to have they've been through substance abuse because of some of the pain that they you know were dealing with That's what they used to suppress the pain or to numb the pain really
2: mm-hmm.
0: and um and they were made of they they were made fun of you know for coming out. And I think that's a horrible thing. Um, we really need to 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 just be careful uh, about that. But this social media, these comments, um, sometimes I'm like, people just say, just have so much guts to say anything. Where if they met you in person, they would never even probably say that. But it's like, you know, they feel so bold, so big and bold. And they're trying to get the most likes on their comments. So they say like the most outrageous things. And celebrities also look at comments. So they're reading yeah. some of these comments and some of them are slipping into depression reading yeah. these comments.
2: So that yeah, is like cyberbullying. It, it is. And it's, it's like I said, it's a direct reflection of how a person feels about themselves. So there's a lot of people hurting. You know, we've heard this term. All of our lives hurt people hurt people, but it's the truth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of hurt people um, that don't know why they're hurting, and that's their way of coping. Mm -hmm. That's their way of taking the pain away from them. And so it's sad. It's really sad. But I'm going to be continuing to do my work, you know, in the community. Mm -hmm. In my family, you know, just so that, just in case that one person that I'm talking to heard what I said, then maybe they can change. Oh
1: yeah.
2: Maybe that person, you know, you got people listening. And so, what I like to do though is focus on the, the communities that are healing that have access, or, you know, that that people can go to, and promote those. And I work. I was a case manager for. Um. A housing program which I dealt with the homeless population and for me it was deeper than just finding them somewhere to live. My goal was to mm-hmm. allow them to heal, offer them support services, you know, get to the root of what may have caused them to get homeless, become homeless, so that they won't have to keep repeating the cycle. And a lot of times even that homeless mindset is generational. And so you have to bring the – pull the younger people to the side and say, hey, here's another way. Because a man can't grow if he don't know. And I think that it's our Uh responsibility, you know, it's my responsibility as an older person to, you know, kind of give that information or provide that wisdom to people that don't know, so – yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I um, I'm going to do one thing. Um, So, again, we're on scan number 3368. Thank you for sharing that. That was good. And I'm going to ask you another question. But first, I'm going to double check here because I want to know how, Just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you now so you can remember the question, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> how did you come to a place where you accepted what you went through and were comfortable enough to speak about it, and then pour into others to help them heal? How, when did you get that aha moment that you needed, that that your testimony was that much, that powerful, that it had that much weight uh, where it's able to help people, uh, and your heart just was able to help other survivors? Right before that, I want to just check if anybody, I, I know we have um, two other callers that have been listening uh sometimes people call in and they can't speak because of their background and or you know, they just wanna listen, they're not ready to speak. But if you've heard anything tonight and you would like to share, your mic is open, please join us. Hello. Hello? Yes, hi. hi. Is it
1: can you hear me? Yep. Yeah, we can hear. Okay. You great. Okay, so muted or not. <laughs> um, hello everybody. <laughs> um this is Kenya. Um what well, I'm just gonna respond. I can't remember which question is which, but I'm I'm gonna answer one of those questions. Um, mm-hmm. for me, it's not really about Am I – how am I showing up, in a sense, in in response to, like, am I helping people? I think I'm coming into a space of if I show up and I'm in a space of rejuvenation within, even if it's just in that moment, my hope in turn is that I'm talking to more than just myself. Um, and what I mean when I say that, like today I went out and I did a recovery dialogue, um, and I wasn't sharing my story, but it wasn't a script. It wasn't anything. It was just meeting people where they were in their space, but also showing up where I was in my own space. And in turn, we had a conversation. Um, so we were we were winning from each other. So for me, in my own space of recovery, um, as it relates to um, the diagnosis of the experience of having bipolar 1, it's basically, one, allowing myself to embrace whatever moment I'm in. A lot of times people ask me, like, how you doing? What's been happening? Yada, yada, yada. And for me, I've been slowly saying I'm good in this moment. I don't know what the next moment going to look like, but I'm good in this moment. (laughs) So being honest on where I'm at, being okay with allowing myself to be whatever space I'm in, with the desire and hope not to get stuck in any particular space is very important to me, for me in this space of time. The other thing is um, I'm coming to learn everything doesn't need a response. Perfect example, um, <laughs> kind of an LOL moment too for me. I was on this call earlier, and long story short, um the cost should have, well, in the past it would take, like, maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, give or take, to do, like, an overview of um, this particular project I was working on. And it took an hour and a half. I was like, what just happened? And it ain't me. So I'm like, what just happened? And then when I got off, it was like my daughter was having a moment with some stuff she wanted to do, Preteens, all that stuff. So I was. I was like, okay, mommy's having a moment right about now. And I was like, mommy's putting herself in timeout. We don't even do timeout. I'm putting myself in timeout. And she looked at me like, wait a minute, I it. I'm going to take myself to bed. I need you to leave the room. Because <laughs> I, like, I, I knew at that point I was at capacity, and I think it's important, I think for myself, to know when you're at capacity, you just need to hear a pause. Um, so when, for me, when I take my pauses, it allows me to get grounded, and it allows me to be able to be present not only for myself but with others. And I think self-care at the end of the day is the key. Self-care is how we're showing up for ourselves and then in terms for others. That's it.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that was, that was good. You're right.
0: Um, I think a lot of times when we're givers, we may forget to take care of ourselves. Like, wait a minute. You can't pour into everybody. You ain't pouring into yourself. And I've been good about the last couple of months really pulling back. Like I go, 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 go. But this, the last couple of months, I've been very intentional about stop. People may not hear from me. Nobody may see me. It doesn't mean I don't love the organizations and all of that. But guess what? I have, I have a family. I have children. I have things going on as well, and then I have me, and I name myself last again when I said that I have me. Then I have, you know, because if I'm not okay, I cannot take care of the rest of the family. I cannot take care of my loved ones. You know, like when they when you're when you're on the plane, they always say, put on the mask on yourself first. Put on the mask on yourself first. Give yourself oxygen. Give yourself some love. And so, um, and, and you're right. You know, Kenya, it's important to show up authentically and just be just be you. You know, and if you can save one person, you've done you know your job, uh, what God has sent you forth to do. But hopefully, a lot more people will get saved. But you're just being true because you're really show, showing them that they're not alone. We have bad days. I still have good. I have good days, and I have bad days even now. Today I got pulled over by the popo, y'all. Transparent <laughs> moment. I'm driving, of my business. They're like, you know, the police start coming behind me. Lights flashing. My my nerves start going up. I pull over. He's like, no, nah, I need to like pull over somewhere safe because I just stopped right in the right in the street where I was. You know, and, uh, you know, he asked me to take off the tent in the front window. I bought the car. I guess somebody had the car and they had, you know, put tent in it in the front. So he was like, you could just pull the little thing off and just take it off. So I took it off. But the point of the matter is things happen. Every day is not going to be a perfect day. I mean, we, we want it to be a perfect day. But we understand that when things happen, we keep moving. We keep We give ourselves some grace. And we try this not to get stuck there. Okay. Well, thank you for sharing that, Kenya. All right. So um, I wanted to um, go back. Ms. Rica. I'm there. You
2: still there? You remember yeah. my question? I do. I do. You asked right. me. Um, you know, my turning point, um, my background, I've always been, like, in the mentorship, and um, I had a young – uh, group for women when I was a little younger mentoring them but um, my my mental health and addiction had gotten so bad for me that I fell asleep behind the wheel um, high off of Xanax and I hit two utility poles um, a big boulder was ejected out of the car I shattered my left leg, fractured my right one, broke seven vertebrae and hit my head on the concrete and I ended up sat in the hospital for 37 days. And, you know, during that time, like I said, I had time to sit and think. After I was released from the hospital, I was in a a wheelchair for six months. Um, I've overdosed, I think, two or three times in my life. And so for me, having come close to death was enough for me to say, okay, you have got to stop wallowing in yourself. You've got to stop feeling sorry for yourself. You've got to get over it and forgive some people so that you can do what God called you to do, which is to help people and to, you know, promote healing and to reach people because I have the gift of being able to have that effect on people everywhere I go. And I'm not just saying that to be boisterous or whatnot, but I had to really sit in my oneness and listen to God and really hear what he was instructing me to do, and that was to let it go, and that was to surrender and to release so that I could be out here to say, hey, baby, I love you, you know, or give somebody a hug or to pass out my homeless kids that I keep in my car or to sponsor a young girl to go to the prom and do it in in, in a healthy way where I'm not high on pills or I'm not having a, mental health crisis, or, you know, I don't have my stuff in the way of what my purpose is. And so for me, letting go, um, and I became a, a, a certified addiction recovery environment specialist as soon as I got out of rehab. So for me, like being able to be alive, because they had to give me more Xanax in the hospital, in ICU just to keep me alive. If I don't pay it forward, if I don't go out here and talk about God's favor and his grace and his mercy over my life, if I don't go out here and talk about what I've overcome and the things that I've gone through, I feel like I'll be disrespecting God because he said, listen, I'm going to give you another chance. (laughs) But I need you to do the work this time, and I need you to be for real, and I need you to take that mask off, and I need you to empty your trash can because like both of y'all said, you know, things happen. But, you know, I I look at things differently now. and, And things happen. Things happen. I had something fall off somebody's truck and tear my truck up last week. But I focused on, well, thank God I'm okay. Thank God I got insurance. And I try to look at everything that happens in my life from that aspect. And it keeps me sane and it keeps me whole and it keeps me healthy. And I just have for my lungs that recovery is real and you don't have to be a victim of your circumstances and you don't have to wallow in self-pity and you don't have to be your worst enemy that you can just live in peace and be okay with what comes your way no matter how it comes and for that i'm grateful yeah so that's the answer Thank that's you. it
0: yeah <laughs> Thank you. Well, you said a few things I did want to talk about, but one thing that you said was uh, you showed up in a healthy way. Man, I've showed up to places in the past, high as a kite at women organizations to, you know, to to support them. Because no matter, even when I was going through my pain and I was going through my addiction, um, I still was showing up to give back to Mm -hmm. the community. And they were happy to see me and they were happy to see me, but it just feels so much better showing up. In a healthy way, showing up in a yeah. healthy way and and that doesn't mean you know that I don't show up and sometimes I'm dealing with with pain or I'm sad, but I'm not high, you know I'm showing up yeah. like pure where I'm able to really hear what they're saying and really give them a, a clear a good healthy answer, um not speaking and bleeding over them you know in the midst of my own my own uh, struggles um, yeah. but you said you were in the hospital thirty seven days.
2: Yes, ma'am. I um I shattered my my left leg, and so they had to put it back together. And I was so swollen that they had to wait till the swelling was down to um be able to do the second surgery. But thirty-seven of those days I was in ICU. Uh, seven of those days I was in ICU. So it really was a traumatic experience. And the blessed part about it is that I don't I don't have any recollection of it. And and it was two oh, days you, before my 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 best friend, cousin, sister. Her um her wedding was two days later and so I missed it. And um she passed away four months later. So I was going through a lot. I was going through a lot. <sighs> and I crashed and burned because yeah, I was, was heavy. I I wasn't taking care of my mental health. I had crashed and burned. I had let so much pile up. Anger, um, you know, sorrow, trauma, grief, things like that, it just piled up in all of my years, and it exploded. And so, you know, I, I'm just, I'm just grateful and thankful to be alive. Just thankful and grateful, and I mean that. I have rods and and screws in my leg, and so. Every time I look at my leg, it's a constant mm. reminder of two things, where I don't want to go back to and how far I've come. Because mm. God is good. God is good. good. I am good. All the time. To, I had an addiction to crack cocaine, and God said, I will remove that thing yeah. from your mouth. Thank you, and Lord. Yeah. So, you, Lord. you know, I just counted all joy and recognized the blessings. And the gift that 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 I have to be able to reach people in the community that aren't, you know, don't have a voice or don't have the support, and that's just it. And that's my. And I've always known that in life, my goal was to leave this place a little bit better than I found it, and that's it. I don't need no accolades. I don't need no, you know, being out the books. I don't need no. I don't need that. I don't need that. Because mm-hmm. I'm good. I'm good in God's eyes. And so with that, I'm okay. I'm okay with me.
0: Yeah. One last question I had was, uh, so you were in a wheelchair for six months. Now, did you think you were not going to ever be able to walk again, or was this just while your foot, the bone healed? What was this for you was, in
2: a wheelchair? Six months. It was. Well, well, I had a a, um, a cast on one that, like I said, I shattered my um, left leg, and I fractured my right leg. So I was in a cast, and I was in a boot for about that time, and it was just a matter of me um, healing. But I had to do therapy, so I, you know, they had to put my foot and my leg back together. So I had to do rehab. I had to, you know, get on the walking machine. Um, I never thought in my mind that I would never walk again, no. Because mm-hmm. I was determined, I'm going to get up at this chair. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But it was, it was a journey. It was it was definitely a journey. I had to be dependent, excuse me, on other people to assist me. You know, while I was down, I had to be pushed in a wheelchair, so it was difficult, but I got through it. I got thank God, it. thank God you're here to tell your your testimony, and
0: thank God that He continues to use you. Wow, that that was um, that was something that was powerful. Um, yeah, thank Ms. you, Miss Kenya. You're welcome. No, thank you, Miss Kenya. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, the same question like, when did you really realize that? You know, your story was bigger than you. It wasn't – you didn't go through what you went through for you. You you really were – what was that point where it just kind of hit you like, man, I got to start sharing, I got to start helping, I got to give back, I got to – this is not mine.
1: Honestly – This is not. Honestly, it was this year. (laughs) It was this year. Before this year, it was about me working on my recovery, Um Then our transparency, as I started embracing my healing journey, which is another state after recovery, um, something happened um, where I literally fell into myself and I realized the only source that was holding me was God. And in the midst, I didn't break. I didn't fall. I didn't go through psychosis, this heavy level of psychosis. I didn't go through. Nobody was there. All I had is my tears and God's comfort, and that's real. And when I fell, I, it was like a Jonah moment of like, okay, are you gonna do what I need you to do, or are you gonna do what you want to do? Because you say you want normal, but you can't get normal because I'm calling you to something higher. So when I realized it was like life and death on the real tip, I was like, oh, okay, this is this is serious. Uh, so now when I go out, it's beyond recovery. It's like, yo, I got things to do and it's something I need to do and it's not about me no more, serving leadership emotion. motion. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a different it's different to me now. It's ministry emotion, but it's showing up in a place of where God's telling me to go versus where I think I need to go. Um, and showing up and saying yes and yay mean yay and nay mean nay um and not getting caught up. So for me pausing Like, even when I was sharing a moment ago, the rest is real because, for me, rest is different now. It's not just sleep. It's like resting in him. And if I'm resting in him, I'm at a place where I can hear, I can feel, and I can move. But I'm not moving on my own. I'm moving with his grace.
2: Amen. So I'm in
1: a different space. (laughs) Uh, So even when I share, I'm, like, trying to be still enough to hear what he wants me to say. It's like he's got me reading the room versus me just speaking, thinking it's a cookie-cutter approach for everybody. It's not. At least not for me. So even today when I went out, there was a young lady who had a shirt on that said love, and it kept resonating with me. I couldn't figure out why as far as the why, but I knew it was resonating. However, it was also someone in there, and I was in the hospital talking to people. Normally people in the hospital, not all the time. But in the high-end hospital, this inpatient, you're not going to get everybody's <laughs> attention you know, all the time. So especially if they just got there, everybody was pretty much present. And one person in particular was like struggling with their faith. Long story short, they were looking dead at me when they were talking. And I was like, God, he's like, this speaks truth. <laughs> they didn't tell us we can't say. So I had to respond the way God told me to. And at the end of the day, God was like, you ain't got to overkill it. Just tell the lady, ask the lady, she'll come up with who got the shirt love on because that's who I am. I'm love. And she came up, everybody in the room was screaming love. We got through, one by one, yeah. each person was coming up, talking, and they were talking about love in the sense of response to where they were in their recovery. Those who wanted to share, some share from their seat, some people share from the space of simply being present, and that's enough. And for me, it was like a conversation even if it wasn't a conversation because we were all meeting each other wherever we were in the midst of our journeys. And to me, as far as what God has me, it's showing up where he wants me to show up, and in the midst, ministry, it happened the way he wants it. It's not about me trying to do anything except show up. That's all I got. So... Yes. Yeah,
2: no, that's powerful.
0: I think it's important to, you know, like you said, being obedient where you're not showing up how you want to show up.
2: It's not you
0: leading yourself, but you're letting God show you how to show up, where to show up, who to show up for, what to say. You know, it's it's a difference when you're allowing God to just lead the way. It's not about. You bringing the tent to yourself, but it's really saying, "Hey, God did this for me. If I can survive, you can survive." And empowering others and helping others survive and showing them how you were able to survive, but being able to do that ministry from a place of it's not you just saying, "Okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do." But more or less, like, man, God showed me to do this. And even though it sounds weird, because I, I I've said that a lot, you know, through my uh, the last couple of years. You know, God has been guiding me in a different direction, and guess what? You don't have to explain it to anyone because you actually have your own personal relationship with God, so you know what you're hearing and you know what you're hearing is, is true. You you can really feel God in your heart. And then the best part is when you get the confirmation. When you get that confirmation, when you're doing what he asked to he told you to do, and you do it, and then you get this this result where you're like oh my god no nobody but god could have done this it's such you a beautiful experience that's real. And, um, and the best
1: that's the real. Best. and that's something that's some it's funny you said that um because god does have a sense of humor uh but that's something he was showing me like recently right. even even in the midst of today it was like when you really awaken to his purpose, people are not no longer – you don't, you're not waiting for a person to confirm you. What your ministry assignment is confirms you. You're not waiting for a response. Yeah. You can give yourself up to people. It's okay. But what you're doing in itself mm-hmm. is a confirmation. Just yeah. being obedient, simply. And the other thing, mm-hmm. something else you said uh, – that spoke to me and it's something that God was talking to me about recently was, and it goes back to something that was shared recently. Who told you I was broken? Uh, and a lot of times, at least from my experience, um, in the mental health field, like just having experienced a diagnosis, sometimes my experience includes people thinking I'm broken, like let me fix you. Or on the flip side, me being a fellow peer let me fix you but who said they were broken so then on the flip of that is goes back to something you said a moment ago that i've been sharing sometimes too because it hits me the same way is and it was really two statements am i bleeding on you or am i getting or am i getting broken into breaking that stronghold so it's either it's mm-hmm. one or the other usually you either breaking something or either you bleeding and if it's yes, neither, it's probably because you're in pause. So I'm recognizing the power of pause so I'm not bleeding so that I can be broken off those things that are from the past, which are the strongholds, so I can stand in my truth. And that's, what, that's my own journey. Everybody got a different mm-hmm.
2: journey,
1: but I'm, I try. I, ask, I just be like, help me stay woke. <laughs> so I can know what, how I'm controlling, good, mm-hmm. bad, or indifferent. <laughs> mm.
0: It's true. I've been, I, I've also been just kind of like, you know, minding my business. Um, like I said, social media has been so off the hook where it's like, I can't even take it. I open up the social media. I see some foolishness. I look at the comments. I see people just crossing the lines and being so mean. Everybody's trying to get the like first, saying the best, funniest, most offensive comment. People are like, I'm going I'm gonna take your phone. You know, they're just trying to be the funniest, the most, you know, humiliating. And it's, you know, sometimes it's like, you know, I don't have to share everything. Sometimes I'm like, you know, what, let me just let me just be in the moment, and or you know what? Let me just try to hear from God. Am I doing the right thing? Because those things are all a lot of distractions that are going on outside, and sometimes you just have to kind of tune in, so you could really. Excuse me. Get direction. Some people say to me, "Oh, I don't know. I don't really hear from God. I don't really get direction." And I think it just sometimes you just have to, you know, just take a little time to 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 tune in and and hear from God because sometimes we're just doing either too much or doing not what we're not what He has called us to do. And that's something you know you all had shared. It's like, you know, it's, it's part of your purpose. It's part of your ministry is you know, you know God is putting you in that place because you survived, you got another chance. You could have died, you know what I mean? So that so you know you're like, okay, God, if I make it this time, I'm gonna work I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna just live the rest of my life giving back. I think I've said that a few times to the Lord. Um, you know, but I feel like I'm walking in my purpose. Uh Excuse me. I definitely think that you know we always have room for growth, and you know all that good stuff. I'm always I'm a, I feel like I'm a lifelong learner, and we all are. We always learn something new. I'm humble enough to say that I don't think I know it all, even though I may, you know, sometimes uh, when I'm sharing things. But no, I'm always looking to learn something new from somebody because I feel like we learn from each other, and. Um, And, yeah, so I want to give everybody the chance. We're about to uh, wrap up, but I want to give everyone the chance to just kind of, you know, introduce yourself if you want to share where people can find you or, you know, something that you're doing or something that you're doing in the community. Um, If you uh, have a book, you're working on on a book, so it's not out yet, but, you know, you're thinking about it anything you have a podcast or any any way that people could contact you for for um, speaking engagements or for resources I'm gonna uh, open up so that you can just kind of do a little intro and maybe share because somebody might be listening they might be looking for a coach you know some type of um, resources and um, yeah so the mics are open
1: Hello? Don't hey, make you, me call out names. <laughs> um, I, go ahead. I think I hear
0: somebody saying something. No, I, I was about to say, don't make me start calling out names. <laughs> oh, ahead, no, two people, my
1: bad. My hand ain't working right. <laughs> <laughs> it
0: was
1: somebody though. Um, no, um, for real though. Uh, my name's Kenya I'm Phillips, and I go by Kenya the Visionaire Phillips. I have. I'm a spoken word artist. I'm also a person in recovery. Um, since 1996, and I do have a private practice. It's called Recovery World LLC, or and I can be reached at www.recoveryworldllc.com. What do I focus in on? I'm a Christian life coach. I'm a certified Christian life coach. I give focus and attention to grief coaching, peer coaching, and I'm also connected with uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness where. I support people where I mentor them on how I provide mentorship, provide guidance and structure to how to organize and or participate in support groups, um, as well as engage in recovery dialogues in the community alongside, periodically I go out to the high schools or middle schools and educate people basically simply on how to, one, know the facts associated with mental health, and two, know how to navigate those spaces, which are gaps sometimes between the educators as well as the students. Uh, For me, it makes me smile because that's my servant leadership in action. Um, And I love it. It makes me smile. (laughs) So um, I'm here to serve. That's how I rock. And whoever want to rock with me, we're walking together. That's it. it. And I am an author, too. I have a a, a book called Word Um, Emotional spasm, which is a poetic essay, uh, part one of five of my journey during the winter phase of my recovery. And that book speaks as well as my why to everything I do because my husband passed in 2020 as well as my father. And long story short, the grief and everything I do is out of my own testimony. So that's it.
0: Thank you for sharing. Thank you for sharing. And they can reach you where? One more time.
1: Oh, sorry. Uh, recoveryworldllc.com.
0: Okay, perfect. Thank you so much.
1: Ms. Rika? Hey, my sister Kenya. Hey. How are you? What's up? What's this up? Is... Long time no. I, I didn't catch who it was. I called it now. What's up, love? Hey, girl.
2: Hey, hey. What's up? This is, is... is... Rika Jones. Um... Um, let's see. I am the um lead peer coach recovery coach for the Fulton County Board of Health embedding peers in emergency department um we're working on combating the overdose crisis in America Um uh, I am a certified addiction recovery empowerment specialist. I also speak for Nami in our own voice um I am a community resiliency model teacher. Uh, a published author. Um, You can get Beauty in the the Battle on uh, Amazon. You can follow me on all social media platforms. You can go follow the Always 100 show on YouTube. And I am just in the business of paying it forward by giving back what was given to me, and that was an encouragement and, you know, uh, proof that there is life on the other side of Trauma, pain, and hurt, and that healing is the most powerful thing in the world. So, thank y'all for letting me share on this platform this evening, and thank you, Kenya. Thank you, Nancy, for your continued efforts and work in the community.
0: Thank you, ladies. Thank you for. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies, for joining us tonight. It's such a pleasure to have you. There's no as of now. I'm on on Wednesday night, so if you're ever available and want to share some gems on the show, please feel free to join. Uh, You're welcome anytime. And uh, and to everyone listening, we just want to you know recovery is possible. You've heard some powerful testimonies shared tonight about recovery, recovery from addiction, mental health, mental illness um and so just know that you're not alone in this journey you're not alone there are people who understand not just because we're educated or trained but because we are experienced uh and so we truly have a heart and a passion for uh the area and the purpose that we're serving uh in this in this world today so we just want to say we love you all Thinking in recovery is possible. Uh, And this is scan number 3368. And we look forward to you guys joining us on the next show. Everyone, have a good night. Blessings.